And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. The winning run had to come to an end at some point, and that point was reached by about half seven on Saturday evening, but it still could have been a lot worse after the opening 20 to 25 minutes, but I guess it could also have been a lot better with that spell in the second half. Split the difference, take the draw. Welcome to this week's Why Always Us. This is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. With me is Sam Lee. Hi, Sam. Hello. I've, I've managed to sum that game up there uh, in a way that doesn't do it justice, I think, because it was a lot more interesting than that uh, than that intro gave it. Yeah, I was about to say, you've actually summed it up quite well, haven't you? It's the obvious start of the podcast joke, but that could be the end of the podcast. <laughs> you're right, but yeah, um, where's the fun in that? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was actually a fun game. Um, yeah. Ruined by the VAR thing, actually. Well, but yeah, we'll, we'll get, get into, we'll, we'll get into all of that. Yeah, we will get into all that. Um, if you sign up to the Athletic right now, you can read all of Sam's stuff on City. If you sign up, you'll get thirty three percent off the price of a full subscription. If you use the code Man City Pod, just go to theAthletic.com forward slash Man City Pod for more details. Um, so, as we said uh, there, Sam, it was a, it was a fascinating game. I thought it's uh, one thing that that struck me. Um, it felt like City recovered from a bad start, and we've said recently that City don't tend to do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so this was another game that I was... I say another, it's only the second one I've done. But this was a game that I did the, the commentary for. So it was very much kind of whatever my thoughts are at the time are getting said in a way that people can listen to immediately and listen back to. So it was like, again, it was one of those where I was coming out of the game thinking, I wonder what people actually thought of that match. And it's difficult, isn't it? Because I think a lot of people were annoyed with the performance and thought it was poor i think a lot of people also were like yeah okay it wasn't too bad and i think part of that was because like you say it it didn't it didn't at any point really feel like one of those games where city weren't going to get going and why i mentioned the radio was because after about even though city was still probably sloppy for probably 15 20 minutes with southampton's goal having come after seven what i was saying was i don't get the feeling that it's one of those days when city are poor they were still getting to the byline. They were still putting crosses in. They were still either making chances or looking like they would create chances. Whereas, you know, we've had all those conversations before and most of the performances, I guess, were 2019-20 and the start of last season Yeah, where you just think, like, forget it. Um, but yeah, it, it, it did, it did do really well. And I suppose if we're going to cut to the nub of it, Guardiola's comments after the game and the you know the clip from the Sky Sports interview that's that's gone around Twitter. Um, I completely get what he was saying. I mean, you know, you know what he's like. He he might have added a bit of a layer on top just to kind of exaggerate things. <laughs> and then some. But 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 like you know, he said himself, and it's one of those lines that was in the documentary a few years ago. How you know he'll he'll protect him in the press conference, but inside he'll be honest with them. Now I would imagine. That is like the the honesty with them behind the scenes would be, you did quite well there. You know, I'm sure there'll be, oh, we could do this or we could do this better. But if you compare it to the Newcastle game or the last ten minutes of the Wolves game, I'm sure he would have been a lot more annoyed with them. Yeah, having despite the fact that 
the City won than he was at the weekend when they dropped points. And yeah. I mean, obviously, we'll go into the reasons why of why that is. Because maybe there were some some fans thinking, what, "What the hell's all that about?" But I think a lot of people. Just, you know, we also did the phone in on the radio afterwards, and I think a lot of people appreciated that um, it was a difficult game, and so he did fairly well out of it. Yeah, I think that that's the that's the well, key, considering how it started. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's the thing because I I, I kind of disagree with you with the with the start of the game because I felt like it was one of those games where City weren't going to get going. There were it okay. was about about twenty minutes in. That's that's that was my my thought process was you can forget this. They're just not Southampton are, are too well drilled and are just not. There's, there's no space and City aren't moving the the ball quickly enough. And mm. then midway through the first half. Um, it must have been about midway through when Sterling missed that chance uh, where he ba- he should have found the net, basically. He found Forster in, in the only place he could have found Forster. Yeah, that's um, the one bad bit. And it, was, it suddenly crept up on me at that point that I thought, actually, they've are they, they they've got into that position there. And if this mm. was one of those games where they weren't going to get going, that, that wouldn't have happened. There would, there would not be a, 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 an opportunity for that tap-in to, to, to arrive. So mm. it felt like there was a little bit of a switch at that point. And, and as much as, you know, it, all those games where City don't score and they don't play well, they always have the ball. They always pass it around and they always, they always play that horseshoe formation around the edge of the box and get nowhere. Yeah. And it, it, it suddenly felt like this was not like that. And it but it, it kind of took them riding that that initial storm of it being like that to get there. Because I don't I don't think Southampton were dominant in that opening spell. They were just very well drilled and they 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 broke away, I think, twice. And I mean they, they scored the first one and the, the second one they would have scored had um well, had, this had, is it. had the forward not been or see Bozier not been um a yard a, a yard offside. Yeah, miles off as well, I think, as I seem to remember. Um so th- and this is this is also like to go back to the the main point of you know Guardiola's comments, and like I think why the Sky interview. So in the, I'd seen I didn't see the Sky interview until like the Sunday morning. I'd already written my article by that point on the Saturday and gone home and you know got sorted. And then on the but I, so I'd seen what he'd said in print in the press conference. How and it was like the the question wasn't transcribed fully, but it was obviously something like didn't play well did you or didn't play well in the, I think it tran- transpired to be didn't play well in the first half and it was like, I completely disagree uh, you know played really well blah 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 that kind of stuff um, I say blah 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 not disrespectfully just because I can't remember what he said um, <laughs> but then when I saw the Sky thing I think the juxtaposition there was because the the Sky presenter was like clearly convinced that City hadn't played well like his tone you know and when Pep was like what do you mean we were great and the, like, the commentator was like really like yeah what what makes you say that? You know, and you know, I might be putting words in his mouth slash head, but it it seemed pretty clear that he was thinking, "You were shit." What you're what you're talking about? So Pep was obviously like giving it back times ten. Um, but like you say, it it crept it crept up on you after about twenty minutes that you know maybe City were doing better. And you talked about that riding of the storm. I think the whole thing is there was there was a perception of the game that was a bit like the Brentford game, but different because Southampton are better than Brentford and they played better than Brentford. Does that so, does that get set early? Is that the thing? Is that what we're saying? It that that, that mood yeah. gets set in the first ten or fifteen minutes and whatever happens after that kind of changes it. Doesn't do, I think do, so. it, a lot a, a lot has to happen to change it, basically. I think so. I mean and probably more so from a city point of view, because I think you're more engaged and watching it and thinking, oh God, this could happen at any minute. And what I mean by this is and what you mean by the first 10, 15 minutes, Southampton had a counterattack and scored and then they had those two offsides, didn't they, where they scored, but it was offside. And they would have won a penalty, but it was offside. And you just think, even though it's offside and they're, you know, 
they're not going to go down a shot on target. They're not going to go down as a threat. In our head, we're thinking every time they come forward here, yeah. Southampton looking like City on the ropes. Um, and again, with the Brentford game, they had chances early on. Not so much chances, did they? But they they did break and they had that corner, which was a header and it went all the way across. And Ake, like, was it Ake hooked it off the line? Like, he was there on the line, but he cleared it off the line. And, and you think, oh God, like that. That that's the kind of threat, and you get it in your head. Okay, like sit you on the ropes here. Whether you're a City fan thinking, "God, what's going on?" or you're a neutral, or you know, a Liverpool fan or United fan or whatever, going, "Oh God, this is good." You're thinking, "There's opportunities for the other team here," um, but especially last twenty twenty five minutes of the first half. And again, this is something I was saying on the radio. I was like, "City seemed pretty comfortable there." And half time came at a bad time. I felt I thought City would just. Um, Growing. They were in control of it by that point. You know, you know, whenever Southampton were clearing it, it was coming straight back. And I was thinking, Pep's probably telling them, just keep going, stay calm. Because they were rushing, weren't they? We've talked about patience, and Pep's talked about patience a lot. Um, you know, when he when he was talking about that Leicester game, when it was one all, and he, at the start of last season, Leicester eventually won, what, 5-2, five, 5-3? Five, yeah. And he was like, they were um, they were impatient. They were just chucking the ball into the box, and you know, you know, it's the whole thing. He actually said after Brentford, the faster you attack, the faster they attack. Um, so uh, there was a bit of that against Southampton, but by half time it had stopped. But then again, to go back to the perception, within the first ten minutes of the second half, where I was maybe thinking City will just come out now and dominate. Obviously, Southampton had some set pieces, which was something that that Pep had highlighted beforehand with Ward Prowse. So. With Southampton, they had that header really close in. I can't remember who it was, but you know, Edison saved oh, good kind save, of point blank yeah, yeah. range. Good save. Um, I'll take your word for it because I mean, it looks it looks so close. It looks like it could be easy, but you know, goalkeepers, you know, people who aren't goalkeepers don't really have that perception so so much. Um, and the, obviously, the other one where it hit the post and then Bednarek put the rebound over about eight minutes into the second half. Again, f- following on from the first half and all Southampton's breaks, you're thinking. Could be two nil here. What, what I would chuck in with that second one, yeah. Go on, yeah go on. What I would chuck in with that second one is um, the uh, what because I was watching on Sky and um, the I can't remember who the co-commentator was. It might have been Alan Smith. It was Alan uh, Smith, yeah. It was uh, was kind of perplexed why a free kick was given against Ever- uh, was given against Southampton at that point because the, he's getting there's no foul on Edison. There's no foul. It was actually offside. It was offside. Yeah, it's offside. Right. Yeah, yeah. John mentioned that actually on the on the drive back. Um, so yeah, well, there's that again. But even, like I was saying in the first half, whether it's like onside or offside, it is obviously very important to the game. But to our perception of how the game's going, you're thinking again, sit you on the ropes here. So you get to the end of the match, and obviously it finished one all. Um, and Southampton were, you know, they were they were celebrating their point and everything. And when we were walking out the stadium, I heard a Southampton guy must have been in one of the hospitality boxes said to his mate he was like go on then give that a, a rating out of 10 and he like, didn't properly hear him but I was like I was like hovering around because I wanted to hear the answer <laughs> and I, he eventually said 9 and I was like there we go and there's two parts of that Southampton did play very well but there's also it felt like Southampton were very threatening throughout because of everything we've just spent over the last 5 minutes talking about the counter attacks and the set pieces but basically there was two spells in the first 15 minutes of each half, maybe just 10 minutes in the second half, where it felt like they were really knocking at the door. The rest of the game, City responded really well. Yeah. And not dominated in the usual sense, but they controlled that. And given they went down a goal early, given, like, as you said, right at the start, City don't generally tend to come back too well um, over the years. And given 
how difficult Southampton made it for City in October and they never really got a grip of the game, did they? At any point. Like we, we talked about that game in October and Pep said afterwards they had a problem with the build-up and they were sloppy. But his subs, which was like De Bruyne and Foden, wasn't it? Yeah. So he didn't make, because he couldn't, to be fair, a lot of the ball-playing defenders weren't there and Rodri wasn't there either. But his subs were just chaos players. It was like, well, okay, there's loads of chaos. There's loads of space. So just go out and make the most of it kind of thing. So they City never really got a grip of the game, even at the Etihad. But they did get a grip of the game on Saturday. And that's why he was saying, very happy with that, a good yeah. performance. I also put it to you that had um, had that De Bruyne shot like hit the, hit the post, had that yeah. hit the post and gone in, or had the Jesus header snuck in at the far post, or had mm. City had uh, the rub of the green and the VAR had decided that the foul was inside the box and not outside the box and they scored the penalty. We'd be sat here talking about how well City had played. And it's just that perception yeah. of the fact that it's a point, they dropped two points, the fact that they got a point in this game um, and didn't get the three points, we sit here going, oh God, look how threatening Southampton were for all those mm. reasons that you mentioned over the last kind of five, ten minutes or so. Yeah. Um, actually, City put in a performance that was just as good as, as as pretty much most of the performances they'll put in this season and for the rest of the season. It just so happens that the chances didn't go in. Yeah, um, obviously there's lots of ifs, ifs and buts. You know, Southampton would probably be thinking, oh, if, yeah. if this and if that. But, but but actually, like when when you do look at it in terms of like City hitting the post... They were very, very close, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't want a Southampton fan to listen to this or anyone else and think, or read my article from the game and think I'm downplaying their performance. The reason I'm saying City played so well is because Southampton were so good. But like, if we're going to look at, oh, it could have been this and it could have been that. The two Southampton chances, they were clearly offside. If they got them right, then fine. But I mean, it was just offside. Um, and like, like you said, even with that that header and the one where the rebound went over that was offside as well um so there was only really the the near post header a couple of minutes into the first half the second half sorry where it could have been 2-0 but yeah um yeah there was definitely that argument and i think another another element to it in terms of perception is and this might be mad this might be a madder thing to say than if this had happened and if that, this had happened safe but, safe space for it mate go ahead yeah exactly but like and i appreciate there is a difference because Southampton aren't Liverpool. But if City have had, have had that game against Liverpool, you know, Salah scores on the break early. They've got, a, you know, Mane scores, but it's offside. Jota goes around the keeper, penalty, but it's offside. You'll be thinking, fucking hell, it's going to be like 4-0 Liverpool. And then by the end, it's one all and City have the better of the second half. You'll be going, great performance. Yeah, because you that. know, we know it's at Anfield. We know it's Liverpool. We know how good they are. But we can't quite get it into our head that a team like Southampton can play really well. And now the obvious counterpoint and the reason that might be mad is because you would say, well, Southampton are mid-table, they're 13th, or they were on Saturday. They're not as rich as City. And, you know, obviously being 13th in the table suggests they're pretty average. So you think, okay, well, City should beat them because they're top, they're richer, they're amazing. But it's, it's not how football works. All we ever hear about is are oh, the Premier League's this and that. It's, it's brilliant, you know, because anyone could beat anyone. This is how it happens. And, you know, anyone can beat anyone. It's, it's almost the exception that proves the rule, this game, because it goes to show that City do have a lot of challenges. And I'm not saying every game's really, really difficult, but we talked about it before we're breaking down, you know, park buses and deep blocks and whatever. It's It's a real challenge, those games. But City are so good at overcoming problems that it looks easy. Yeah. Whereas this is a performance that was really good and they didn't quite overcome it 
by scoring their chances. But I felt they did react to it really well. But again, because it's Southampton, you'll just go, oh, well, they should have beaten Southampton, shouldn't they? But if you look at it, in terms of the clash of styles, it, it's completely understandable that a team of middle middling quality would still, with their know-how, be able to cause an, up to, an upset on the day. And that's why Liverpool have dropped a lot of points and Chelsea have dropped a lot of points because there are teams... Obviously, look, like Chelsea drew one all at home with Everton. I'm not saying Everton went and played an especially sophisticated game, but I've said it before, there's plenty of teams in this division. We saw with Palace yesterday against Liverpool. Obviously, they lost 3-1, but it could have been completely different. Um, and, you know, Brighton fought back and got a two-all draw at Anfield. These teams are really good. They haven't got the individual quality of the top teams, but the way they're coached and the way that they can cause problems to teams that like to play football. Like Hassan Huttle said in October, he said, this way we play the 4-2-2-2 in that particular game. He goes, it's really difficult for City because they like to have the ball. So you've got that clash of styles. And I think, you know, years ago when Klopp was just getting Liverpool up and running and he always had a good record against Pep. And it was like, you know, it was easy to kind of infer from that that Klopp was the better manager. And it's like, well, it's just a clash of styles, isn't it? Yeah. Like, the way that the way that Klopp likes to set up his teams is difficult for teams who like to have the ball and play out from the back because they want to win the ball. Liverpool and Dortmund want to win the ball on the edge of your box. And if you're trying to play the ball on the edge of your box, then you're going to have problems. And then I think as we've seen, the way City have played against Liverpool in the last two or three years, the way that Pep's adapted to that over the last few years is really interesting because obviously it's been all about do not lose the ball in those areas. And if you think about it, those, those whirlwind periods that have done for City at Anfield or just against Liverpool in the past. They haven't really happened for a while now. Yeah. Um, it's like, but teams like Southampton can do that because their coach is telling them these principles on the training ground all day, every day. And okay, yeah. they're not, I, not got the same quality, but it can happen. I was a little surprised at the number of people who um, had kind of written this game off as an away win quite early on in the week, building up to it, um, yeah. to be honest with you, Sam, as well. Just be, I mean, I mean, I, I know I know, historical records don't mean a lot on the day, um, but I just think of all the times that City have been there. I mean, even, I was going to say in, uh, under Guardiola, but even, even since Southampton have returned to the Premier League, I can't think of that many times City have had it easy at Southampton. There was a couple of 3-0 yeah. wins there. Um, but but by and large, though, like the, the, there was a three 0 win under Pellegrini, and City scored two in the last ten minutes. It was a real kind of, it was a real slog to get to that. The three 0 under mm. under Guardiola in the in his I think in his first season um, yeah, when was. company scored, Compl- it wasn't company it wasn't scored. an easy yeah, game. That was a breakthrough, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 it was not an easy game up to that point. So I, I I'm surprised. And then you, like even you take let's take the last couple of seasons, they beat us um, when it was behind closed doors uh, with Che Adams. Um, they uh, last season was a I know City were in a different mood, but it wasn't exactly a um, an easy game to watch that one. No, it's unusual. Um, yeah. The way I was thinking, that was a that was one of those games. And how many times have we said this about that Southampton game? Even even recently, last season, that was one of those games when it didn't really matter the performance. City just needed to win. Yeah, and that was it last season. But if you remember two seasons ago, City won three one, but they just lost to Palace and Leicester over Christmas, and they had Liverpool four days later, and, and they, they had just, to, they just to, had to win. And that they one. just yeah. needed to win a Southampton, and I think. They either went a goal down or it was one all and Southampton had a penalty shout. And I remember that being a bit dicey for a bit as well. And again, you talk about the records. Mike, the commentator, he said like early on during the game, he was like, City have lost only one of their 12 meetings against Southampton or the last 12, maybe 12 under Pep or whatever it is. Um, 
But Kyle Walker had said before the game that Southampton and Liverpool are the teams that have given them the most trouble. Yeah. And I think those two things, despite, okay, Southampton have only won one, but they've made it very difficult. And if they, if they haven't been draws like the weekend, then City have had to really scrap. It's not been a place for them to go and play their best football. And obviously the other one was the Gabriel Jesus last minute winner, which was a Mark Hughes team, but it was just, it was one of the worst 90 minutes, <laughs> wasn't it? Before yeah. the Gabriel Jesus winner. So they've had some strange games at and against Southampton. In fact, another one from that, you know when they lost in the behind closed doors game, when it was the pandemic season, wasn't it? Yeah, it was um, that where Che Adams scored from 45 yards because yeah, I think, I think Edison was off his line. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And Edison was off his line, but it was somebody, yeah, it was somebody else's fault. It was Zinchenko that I forgot. Um, but if you remember the, the home game, City had won 2-1 and it was really difficult. Guardiola said they defended like a tree. But as far as I can remember, it's one of those rare games. I think, in fact, it's, it's the only game. You know when, we've talked about it before, but when City run out of ideas and they just, stop and balls in the box and they're pretty aimless and it's normally the higher the cross is the worse the result the, or the more crosses the worse the result this was the one game where they put loads of crosses in and actually worked because i remember doing the article saying this is this is man city's plan b i mean it's not really a plan b because they've got a million different <laughs> ways of playing but you know what i mean like yeah. if they need to mix it up this is how they do it they just put loads of crosses in the box but that was the one game where it actually worked and that was really difficult as well so yeah it was i you know i had to do predictions for a, a premier league thing on friday and i said i'll put city to win two nil i expect it to be very difficult but i thought well you know city are a better team than they were earlier in the season and you, you've still got a back city but um yeah i did expect it to be difficult and 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 there it was. Yeah, I but mean, they, I thought, yeah, I thought they they did handle it well, and they controlled those threats, like we said, and that's why Pep thought they were really good, and that's why most people watching thought they weren't because it felt like Southampton could score at any minute, but in in reality, it wasn't quite like that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm a little interested, Sam, and I'm I, I am very very wary here of uh, okay. using a sample size of just two games. Um, yeah. But you ask, there's there, there's a stat that does the rounds all the time. Every time uh, City are, are trailing away from home in the Premier League, um, that at half time they they don't, they very rarely come back to win. It was it was one game in like 15 years or whatever it was a few uh, a few seasons ago. Um, yeah. It's now Arsenal and Southampton where they've come back and not lost the game after trailing at half time. Can we read anything into that? Can we can we read into that City are not not necessarily better, but at least learning how to how to get control of a game back when they've not got one. Um, I mean, I, I'm trying to think 
more broadly than just those two because I'm trying to think the last time they lost control well, but never really got into it. But obviously they've only they've only been behind at halftime three times this season. The other one was Palace. Yeah, exactly. um, uh, yeah and well, but the thing with Palace was. I think I remember saying at the time, and look, you know, there's plenty of times when you played badly, and, I, and I've said so, and you know, you could tell with half an hour to go, they were never going to score, so pack up and go home, kind of thing. But against Palace, considering they had ten men, I remember thinking they played really well, and it was just a gamble. You know, they scored, didn't they, City? But it was just offside. Yeah. And you think if they'd have, if they'd have, if they'd have scored, they they might have got something from the game, even with even with the ten men and and dominated it. But they're always going to concede counter attacks. So are fine. Um, Spurs start of the season. But you know the, the players just weren't fit. Um, but no, I don't know because basically, in terms of this small sample size, even if you look at the Arsenal game, as we said afterwards, it was only really the red card that really changed it. You know, there was no great improvement I thought from City between um, half time and the penalty, and then it was the red card really after that when yeah. City started dominating. It wasn't like Southampton at the weekend when it was like, right, okay, they've scored, so we'll just crack on now and dominate the game. They, they couldn't do that against Arsenal. And I mean, look, I know the reasons for that. You know, Guardiola said they were tired, they've had COVID problems, it was the end of the kind of the Christmas run. So I know that, but just in terms of did they change the game because of like great mental character not, or imposing themselves better? Not necessarily. It was, you know, the, the red card was a bigger factor. But um the fact that they did it in the Champions League, you know, PSG away, 1-0 down. Dortmund uh, home, was it? Certainly Dortmund uh, away. away. So, certainly Dortmund away. Uh, Dortmund at home, uh, I think. No, I, think it, I, I think that, that oh, no, was... It was 2-1. It was 2-1. Um, I think Dortmund got got an equaliser um, and then City won I think City they, they equalised and it was a bit ropey for a bit. But anyway, like, there are more and more examples of them, of them managing to do it. Um, different um i don't know i don't know if that's different versatility different weapons speaking of versatility actually um this is something that came to my mind when i wrote the myra's article the other week because I, I nearly wrote in it at the end but didn't because he obviously he wasn't available for the chelsea game and i was like nobody would say if chelsea if city didn't beat chelsea that they missed myra's and nobody said it about southampton but Considering Pep took Sterling off about 10 minutes into the second half, which was very, very early for Pep. Yeah. And he brought Jesus on, who did well. Obviously, like, yeah, I, you think maybe Mares would have had a bit of cutting edge there to to have changed the game. Um, it's just an interesting one. You know, it's not one of those matches where you think, oh, they should have done this, should have done that, because it was what it was. You know, they were a bit unlucky. They did well overall. Move on. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting, isn't it? You don't really think that about Mares, but. He scores more goals and gets more assists than anyone else, so he might have been quite useful. <laughs> yeah, um, just yeah, I mean, in terms of of the flow to the game, then that second that second half, because obviously the we mentioned the VAR calls. Um, was it was it simply that that knocked the momentum? The fact that there were two long delays in that in that second half that that really yeah. kind of killed City's uh, momentum, or yeah. was there was there anything that they started doing differently, or or Southampton would had kind of had time to regroup? Well, yeah, bit of both. Well, same thing, actually, because I was speaking to Nadam about the kind of points I'd, I'd raised earlier. You know, if it was against Liverpool, they'd have got more credit, which is obviously a bit mad. But uh, I mentioned, we were talking about the VAR, and I was like, that that did actually seem to, to kill it, didn't it? Because before that point, City were like really piling it on. Um, and then it just kind of petered out a bit, didn't it? Um, well, it was the fact yeah, that it, it, I, I've just watched Match of the Day back this morning, and... Yeah. Um, 
the the two VAR calls they, they were like in they were between like the 70th and 80th minute if I if I yeah, seem right they went on forever and they went on for ages and then I remember feeling like I looked down when I was watching the game live I looked down after the first uh, after the second VAR call and looked back up again and suddenly it was 89 minutes and I was like oh where's where's right. the time gone it's just like like nothing happened in that spell in between yeah and it was more strung out wasn't it like the, it wasn't in the Southampton's half they weren't attacking too much either I remember they had a counter attack towards the end. Or I can't remember if it was a counter attack, but Rodri cleared it. There was a cross from Southampton's right. Rodri put it out for the throw in, and I'm pretty sure whoever crossed the ball for Southampton could have got it and carried on the attack. But he's let it go after the throw in. Because by then they were just like, which goes to show how well City's actually come back. That Southampton, with this perception that we've got, that Southampton were unlucky and could have scored more goals, despite how good they, they, actually, they genuinely were. And by the end, that wasn't really what they were after. Yeah. They were just content to to stop City getting what they equally could have deserved um, but yeah so but Naden was like just those VAR timeouts acted sorry yeah the breaks they acted like a timeout for Southampton they kind of got a handle on what was going wrong and um, they you know sorted themselves out and and also it, it does just break the momentum doesn't it you know like in big games if you're winning or whatever it, these players start going down because obviously it wastes a bit of time and it gets added on at the end, which can come back and bite you on the ass. But if you stay down and you know get the stretcher on and then end up end up walking off instead, you, you can you can stop that that momentum. And I think that's what happened with VAR. I mean, not normally as well. We don't really talk about VAR because it's like it's really subjective. And you know, the new the penalty that could have been at Newcastle and the the penalties yeah. at Arsenal and whatever. But like, and I, I I I couldn't really tell, and I've not actually seen it back yet. The the De Bruyne the penalty one, but. The thing about the red card one, and this isn't a pro city one or anything, it's a general VAR point. But with something as obvious as that, where he's kicked him on the thigh, why are they watching like three different angles, like ten replays of one angle? It's like, what else are you looking for? With the De Bruyne one, which still took too long, because it's the classic thing of if it takes two or three minutes and you're trying to find one angle, just forget it and move on. But at least they, at least it was very difficult to try and work out where the ball was, who who got the touch. So they had to look at the angles with the Laporte one. So what are you looking for? Like if you're gonna, if you're going to decide for whatever reason not to send him off, it only takes thirty seconds. If you're going to decide to send him off because of that massive fucking gash that's on his leg, then again you don't need more than thirty seconds. Just it was really really strange. And obviously, like there's no sitting on the fence with this one. It was just obviously a red card. Like he obviously didn't mean to do it, but it's a red card, mate. Yeah, the problem for me on both of these on both of these calls and the time it takes is the VAR is there. I mean, I, I, I spend all this time looking up at what the protocols are. I shouldn't need to do that anyway, but I do. Um, so I like the protocol is basically it's there for what the referee hasn't seen. So if the referee describes something to the VAR that is vastly different to what is on the video screen, then they have a look at the decision. And so with the penalty one, I can understand it because what what the referee... Well, first off, the referee said he's not seen a foul in all of that. Um, so... I mean, what, what, we could, what we could fucking tell from that was there was a foul. Well, like, that, that, that's He's not thing. even seen the basic thing. But that, was, that, the, only, the only issue was where the foul was and who did it, but there definitely was a foul. Well, that's the thing. That's why the VAR was looking at it because the VAR is saying yeah, yeah. there is a foul. You've missed something here. Yeah. Um, but because it's not in the penalty area, they can't overrule it and... and turn it around and because the, effectively the VAR has gone looking for a penalty and there isn't a penalty because there's no foul inside the area. Mm-hmm. Um, 
with the red card one, I don't see what, what the VAR could possibly have seen that is different to what the referee has seen there. He's kicked him on the leg. That's it. It's stuff like that. Like there's there's no there's there's no doubting that that there was contact made. There was no doubting that there was a foul in there. Um is the referee has the referee's view of that been so much different that it's that that he's awarded a yellow instead of a red? I, I don't I don't really I don't understand. Wouldn't it have to be the same? Wouldn't they have to have seen oh yeah, it was a bit high, but wasn't malicious, so fine. Yeah, but I mean, I it wasn't necessarily. It wasn't malicious, but how many times do you see something as an accident, but it's dangerous? So, well, Stone, Stones off. went for that at Villa, didn't he? So, <laughs> I mean, I've seen the still images of that, but wasn't Stones more of like a forceful kind of slide tackle that was really high? Maybe I'm wrong. I need to uh, maybe I need to see it back. But I saw I, the I, still I, images, and I yeah. remember thinking, no, it's a bit disingenuous. I, I remember the Stones one as uh, him trying to clear the ball, but the Villa player got a touch on the ball first, so he, so he ended up just clearing the Villa player instead. And I was at the time, I was like, yeah, I kind of accept that's probably a red card. Um, yeah, I'm trying to find it now, but obviously there's all the copyright violations. Yeah, so, got, I, I, so I, think, for it. I think they were very similar. I'm, uh, I'm, I do think that. But yeah, I, I, anyway, it should, it should have been a red card. Let's look at uh, the bigger picture now, Sam, as well, because um, obviously Guardiola was uh, very keen after the game not to... Or, or he, he was putting across the message of, of being a little confused about how we were talking last week that the title race was done and this week now that it might be open again because City have dropped two points. Um, and I understand why why his position is that. So let's, let's add to the narrative a little bit um, because uh, Liverpool obviously beat Crystal Palace. Uh, the, the City's lead is now down to nine points. Liverpool have a game in hand. Uh, win, uh, win that. It's obviously down to six points. They've still got City left to play. Um, yeah. Does it put more pressure on that that City Liverpool game now? Is there? Uh, we, we, we've we, you said earlier on some very dangerous words that there's not been those element those moments of chaos in the Liverpool games. Hmm. Um, well, they haven't been. A little bit worried about that one now. Yeah, I must admit. Um. Well, yeah, but I mean, we well, us two never thought it was. Oh, I've just seen the Stones one. Come on, it's completely different, lads. Um, both both red cards, um, but for different reasons. Um, he just whacked him late. He got the ball late and he whacked him. Whereas the other guy, like the Southampton one was still a red card, but it was a bit more like, oh, maybe, yeah. I don't know, more innocuous, but still dangerous, so you're off. Anyway, um, well, we never thought it was over anyway, did we? For these reasons. like They were, mass- they were massive, massively ahead of Chelsea, but it was Liverpool with the game in hand and Liverpool who were the better team, in my opinion, anyway. Um and yeah, because people just assume that live, sorry, that City are going to win every week. Um, so no, um, I'm, I was always fully aware of that scenario. Anyway, um, I mean, what I would say is, based on what we've seen so far, Liverpool are more likely to drop points over the rest of the season than City are. But I mean, we don't know, do we? So, yeah, yeah. What so about? It's as simple as that. Like, how how can you say it's done when it isn't? Like, I'm sorry for living in fact land, but <laughs> <laughs> it isn't done, is it? So. I'm just I'm just thinking though of uh, in terms of of performances that City have been putting in. You look at the you look at how this calendar year has started. Obviously, away at Arsenal and then in the game since um, City. I I feel like we've just spent half an hour talking about that Southampton game and and how we feel the performance was probably better than the perception of of, of how it's been. Um, yeah. I'm. I'm I'm a little bit worried of looking from the outside in at Liverpool and consistently feeling like they've been lucky in games. I watched the Palace game and felt like, like honestly, Palace were really unlucky not to get anything out of that. And then uh. you flip it round 
I guess Liverpool will be will be um, watching City's games and go, well, how how Arsenal haven't taken anything from that game, yeah, so on and so yeah, forth. Yeah. It, it works both ways. And the Wolves um, game, you can yeah. argue about the penalty against Wolves and whatever. So. Yeah, so like it does it does work both ways. But then you look at um, you, you look at that game on the horizon. Now it feels like everything is kind of building up towards that that big clash. I'm a, and I'm a little bit worried. I must admit, with. With the way that City started this year, with with um, you know with the performances, I, I mean Brentford wasn't great. Um, they got through it and and won the game. Arsenal wasn't great. They got through it, won the game. Swindon then obviously wasn't the huge test. It, uh, it, it yeah, it didn't matter. Uh, they played really really well against Chelsea, and then I feel like they I, I I feel like the mood might be that they didn't play well against Southampton when actually they did. Does that does 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 that worry make sense? So I mean, I was trying to think on the way back. I was, I wonder how City's form been recently. Obviously, you go through the games and you go Brentford, eh. um, Arsenal, yeah, Chelsea, yeah, Southampton, yeah. Like, like it's not, it's not. Oh, you know, it, they're not, they're not winning them four or five nil. And you think, oh, is there some kind of sloppiness, some kind of fatigue, or whatever? But I mean, first things first, they're all going on holiday for a week now, anyway. Yeah. So that's, and then they've got a week to get back and. They got Fulham, which is perfect. Like, if you're expecting to see kids against Fulham, forget it, because <laughs> the la- the, you know the, la- the lads are on two hundred grand a week again. They're with them back against Fulham. Well, I was going like, to say that, too, that, like the, the rhythm thing. Go. The rhythm thing's fascinating because it, I, I can't remember a time where City have had uh, one game a week for so long. Like, it's yeah, just been, yeah, yeah. it's been. Well, more, I, I've been, I've been, I've genuinely, I've been sitting at home going, "What do I do with myself in the middle of the week yeah, these days?" Well, <laughs> think about, we've got to conjure articles up out of nothing. So inventing transfer rumors. No, I mean obviously that's a joke. You've not seen you've not seen me do any transfer rumors for ages. So um yeah, so didn't Pep say something actually in the press conference about all I saw was an MEN headline about Pep's Carabao Cup something something. And I was like, that'll I'm sure that'll be Pep saying he wishes he had a Carabao Cup semi-final. And I said that before, didn't I? Um around that Swindon game. I was like, again, if you even even though they've got a load of COVID cases. And you're expecting kids to play. That first team would not have played for two weeks between Arsenal and Chelsea, so it's all about rhythm. So they're very lucky there. They've got Fulham at home, and I'm sure Pep wishes it was Liverpool away in the FA Cup. I'm sure, even though Liverpool will probably play their kids. Um, but looking at it, the, the other thing, the other reason why you know, if you're feeling a bit dodgy about the title race and whatever, all of a sudden now, the other reason to add a bit of balance to it is, as we've already said already, City have already had basically all of their hard away games already. Yeah. Like they're out, they're out of the way, um, and then look when they do come back, and obviously that Fulham game does help with the rhythm. They got Brentford at home, which I mean that's going to be horrible, isn't it? Because that might be Christian Eriksen's first game back or like first Premier League game back. That's going to be a bit horrible. Um, that could be uncomfortable to watch. But anyway, you'd expect City to win Norwich away. I mean, I know they lost there in nineteen twenty, but come on. But that's it's a different that's city a, team. It's a different city. Spurs team. away, Everton away, United. Difficult games. Palace away, Brighton home. Actually, I'm looking at these fixture lists now. Burnley away. It's actually <laughs> you can make an argument from them all being difficult. Liverpool yeah, I, at home, I, I, Wolves I, away. I, Wolves away will be horrible. Watford at home. Oh, thank God! City's next win is going to be Watford at home on April the 23rd. <laughs> I was going to say that, that the, the, Burn, the Burnley game though. That Burnley could be playing four games a week by that stage. So, oh, I mean, look, the last time Burnley beat a top six team, <laughs> I don't even think Sean Dyche was there, and he's been there about eight years. Um, yeah, that that's a kind of. I mean, look, maybe they do get some, but it's a bit of a myth now, Turf Moor being a difficult place to go. They just lose against big teams all the time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, these fixtures are 
kind of medium dif- they're medium difficulty really because what do you expect from the Premier League yeah it's not gonna it's not like it sounds like something you'd have to say if you were employed by you know Sky or the Premier League but you, there's not going to be loads of easy games and the fact that City have already got the hard ones out of the way it, it could be much worse you know if they, if they had Chelsea away coming up and Arsenal away coming up and Liverpool away coming up you'd be like bloody hell this is, this is wide open but if the hardest games are looking like oh Everton might have a new manager Norwich might be fighting you know oh, Man, Man United might make might massively improve and make it difficult or you know, I mean Palace away could be difficult but um City takes what no it takes to win there. Brighton at home, you know, Brighton have given City some tough games, but they've generally won them. They've generally scored four goals anyway. So, yeah, um, you can look down the line and think about the title race and stuff. But the hardest, the hardest game generally are gone. At least the Liverpool game is at the Etihad. So, yeah, can do. That'll be really good. That can deal with that. uh, That when it comes along, Um, I'm interested, Sam. One one question, kind of um, to kind of deviate from that narrative and for and and from the game and 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 whatnot. Um, I'm interested in in terms of selection as well because uh, fans have been crying out for Gundogan lately. Um, He's just been he's 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 been there, but not really there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I messaged I messaged somebody who, who knows him yesterday. He didn't reply, so that was good of him. Um, I just wanted, to, I just wanted to know, like, is because you know, you, you you suggest that on Twitter, go. Oh, I mean, Gundogan's not played so much, and people just say, "Oh, well, Pep said he had a back injury two months ago, so maybe it's that, and maybe it is." Like, I can't, I can't shed any more light on it. Um, I just sent the message yesterday, and I was like, "Oh yeah, we'll wait and see," and then I'll realise this morning I hadn't heard anything back, so I've not had the chance to ask anybody else yet. But yeah, it's a bit of a strange one because obviously you go from thinking. Yeah, Gundogan and Bernardo, it's great. It gives City great balance. Put great control. As a false yeah. nine, or or if he's out, you know, because he was out around the time of COVID or whatever, um, then it's fine. And all of a sudden, De Bruyne has played all the games instead of Gundogan, and City have looked just as good. Generally, um, but yeah, it is, it's interesting, and maybe thinking there that's something that sparked in my mind. There, maybe it's completely wrong. But you talk about, and I think it probably is completely wrong, given how well they played before. But you talk about these last four games, and City maybe not being. At their very best, and you think, uh, wonder how it would have been uh, with Gundogan instead of De Bruyne. But I think that's just you know uh, a bit of putting two and two together because, like we say, against Brentford and Arsenal, fatigue, and obviously he scored the winner against Chelsea anyway. Yeah, you could argue that maybe it would have been a different game with Gundogan and they'd have had more control, but they controlled it pretty well anyway. Um, I think that's the biggest thing, isn't it? They don't need Gundogan now. They don't necessarily need that type of David Silva, Gundogan type player to control the game. I think I, I mused this about 38 minutes into a podcast three months ago. So if anyone remembers, fair play. But I was like, are they all just Pauza now? You know what I mean? Like They haven't got a striker. The wingers, this was the kind of false winger territory we were talking about as well. I was like, they all just control the game. That's just how they play. The whole the whole game, the whole team is David Silva now. They don't need one player to do it. It's all of them. <laughs> um, so maybe it's that because the fact they've, they've not, they've not had Gundogan and they've, They've not, I don't think, outwardly missed even a player to give them control. You know, they've still bossed games. Like that Brentford game, you would say, okay, well, Gundogan then. Um, or the the Southampton game, you'd say, okay, well, you need Gundogan for that. But he's not been there. So, yeah, I, I'm not, I can't tell you why, but it's, it's very interesting and very good for City that they've, you know, there's been no drop off in quality. They won a lot of those 12 games in a row without him. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's one. It's just one of those, isn't it? Like when he comes back in, they'll carry on winning, and if he drops out, they'll carry on winning. It's just two good options. But yeah, it'd be good to see him back again soon because 
it is strange how he, he hasn't played that much at all. But Pep's, Pep's selection's been not, well, I suppose maybe saying Pep's selection makes it sound like he's making mad decisions. I think it's just the circumstances they're in. But obviously Sterling started two of 11 of the first Premier League games. And then him starting at Southampton, was a, he started 11 of the last 13. So he's obviously come back into his favour. Morris didn't play a lot, did he? But then he started playing a lot before he went to AFCON. Um, you know, Gundogan and Bernardo was very much the midfield pairing, and Gundogan's barely played recently. So it, it's it's mad, isn't it, how it changes? But I think ultimately it's not so much Pep selection. It's just whoever's playing well at the time and whichever options you've got, whichever weapons you've got, they're going to win matches anyway. And that's, yeah. and that's again, that's the beauty of the team, isn't it? Yeah. Well, uh, I think we'll, we'll I think we'll come to Sterling a bit more in depth next week, won't we? I think that's yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. The, so the thing is, so do you remember it was one of the international breaks, and we just did a focus on Sterling, didn't we? And I think, arguably, doing a second focus on Sterling makes it look like oh, he's singling him out, but like he's such an interesting player. And the fact I think, was, back I, I then, also think, yeah, I think I think it's only fair because oh, yeah, we, no, fo- yeah, we, yeah, exactly. we, yeah, we focused on him when he was out of form, so I think it's only yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and but I mean the main thing is now we've we've got more of an idea of what's happening with his contract. Like back then, like it's still up in the air. And I wrote the article about it on Friday. So if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the article yet, it's it's there. You can you can see what the latest situation is, but it's far from defined. Whereas back then, we were, it was a bit more like not really sure what's going on with that. Um, now we've got a bit more info around it, and obviously, yeah, like why not talk about him again once he's reminded us what he can do, and then it just helps everybody focus minds a bit about what the future at City could look like if he signs another four or five year deal and and how that would go for him rather than three months ago when it looked like, oh, well, I'll get rid of him because he's not playing well. Yeah. So, yep, that'll be an, an interesting one for, for next week, I think. Yeah. Um, just before we finish, Sam, uh, I know it's I, I know the answer to this already, but I feel like I should ask you, um, any ideas of City will dip into the market before the end of the uh, transfer window? Uh, well, no, I suppose the only thing we should have mentioned is the Julian Alvarez um the Argentinian forward at River Plate is is going to be coming in. Um, you know, a, a first team prospect rather than a, a CFG player, but not an immediate. Even like get him in in the summer, bang him straight in the first team kind of thing. He's he, he's going to go out on loan most likely as it stands. I think back to River, and they might because the World Cup is in November. They might just leave him in Argentina until that, so he can properly prepare and get minutes and continuity and whatever and then bring him in. So, first team prospect, but it's not going to stop them from trying to sign a striker in the summer. Um, and it's one of those where it certainly looks exciting. But, um, yeah, don't get your hopes up too soon because it's just for further down the line. There's yeah. a lot more football to be made and transfer offers to be made before we see him playing for City. So, yeah, it's an interesting one, but we'll, we'll see how that one goes. Yeah, lovely stuff. But I'm, I'm told, anyway, he's 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 much better than Kaiki, who's obviously already played in the FA Cup. So, I don't know, he's, he's, he's kind of come in as a better than most of the CFG players and could play for the first team, but, you know, training around them, got on loan, see how it goes. Whereas Alvarez is is more likely to play for the first team, but it's not, as far as I'm concerned, Gabriel Jesus, where it's like, well, you come at the end of the season and you're playing up front. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's the best way to describe it. But um, we'll probably do an article once that deal is finalised on how it all happened and who he is. And then I'm hopefully meeting somebody who's worked very closely with him um, when Argentina play Italy um, next month in, in London. And he can tell me all about him. And I'm hoping very specific and boring tactical detail so we can write about that later on as well so lovely stuff well, yeah, you can tell us all about that. content coming yeah you can tell us all about that when you know that's uh, 
Sounds good. Um, that's the end of this week's Why Always Us. Thanks as ever to Sam Lee. Well, thanks very much. Thought we covered it all there. Nice, uh, nice show. Uh, I'm sure. We are, I'm sure there's people saying you didn't talk about this. The only thing actually I could think of was you know the the foul. Was it the foul on Grealish in the first half? People wanted a red for that. It was a it was, it was over the ball, wasn't it? Oh, but I forgot about just, that. But yeah, I forgot about yeah, it. So, exactly. Um, yeah. I was thinking. Of, I mean, it's one of those where you could say it was a red, but I'm not going to be jumping up and down about it like the second one. But there we go. Yeah. Hey, hope that's it for this week's uh, show. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, you can sign up to the Athletic right now with a 33 percent discount. Just use the code Man City Pod. The Athletic.